I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have with us Cheryl Bass, who is the author of Baby Dragon's Big Sneeze, a picture book that teaches children ages three to seven about empathy, trust, and forgiveness. And it is adorable. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. We're excited to have you. We haven't had very many children's book authors for these kind of younger ages before. So we'd like to talk to you a little bit about illustration and and how all those pieces work. But first, where did this story come from? Because this is kind of a cute concept. Yeah, actually, it's kind of an unusual way this all came about. About 13 years ago, I was walking around, walking down the street, and I sneezed really hard. And I had the ridiculous thought, well, it's a good thing I'm not a dragon or else this would cause a lot of damage. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that is a picture book. And so I started writing it and I kind of put it away for many, many years. And then I thought I would try to get it traditionally published, which is what I had tried to do in 2021. Mm-hmm. And that was not successful. I sent it to several book publishers, but also literary agents. And several weren't interested partly because it rhymes. And certain things go in and out of fashion in the picture book industry, I guess. Mm. And unfortunately, rhyming is not very popular right now. But there's emerging research that rhyme is really good for children. It's good for reluctant readers. It helps expand vocabulary. And it also, it helps with language acquisition. And and it also, kids can sort of anticipate what the next word is going to be. It gives kids a sense of rhythm. So I'm a big proponent of rhyme and I'm going to keep using rhyme. So I decided I was going to self-publish on my own. But I thought at the time that I was going to have to read some big book self-publishing for idiots or similar and um, would be completely on my own. But I haven't been. I am a member of the SCBWI, Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And there are videos on their website and also Children's Book Insider. They both have videos that, that their members can watch for free. And there was a video from a woman named April Cox, and she has a business called Self-Publishing Made Simple. And she walks you through all the process of how to get those ISBN codes, which are like UPC symbols on the back of your book, and how to file it with, you know, for copyright with the Library of Congress. She has vendors she works with, like illustrators, that will will do work for hire, which allows the author to have the rights to the illustrations after the book is published. So she has those that that are very responsive and allow it to be work for hire. And so I was able to use her vendors and work with her. And I definitely want to do that for all of my books in the future. Okay. So I'm kind of surprised that rhyming is not the in thing or that they wouldn't take it just because of rhyming. I mean, Dr. Seuss is is still a thing. I know. So I I I don't understand it. And, you know, that's why nursery rhymes are such a big thing for children, because it, it really is positive for kids. Right. So I'm a little surprised that they would take it down just for that, because that's, I I mean, it wasn't that long ago I was reading things to my son, and rhyming was definitely something that was very enjoyable. Right. Well, that was one of the reasons. Another reason is, suppose you're a publishing company, and you have, say, 10 slots for children's book, uh, children's picture books. And then you've got Reese Witherspoon, Mariah Carey. Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, 
you know, all, Seth Meyers, all of those people, famous people have written children's picture books. It used to be that famous people would just get a fragrance. Now they're writing yeah. picture books. So, <laughs> so now that makes it very difficult for people like me who don't ha- who aren't famous to get out there and get a, a picture book traditionally published. So you know what bugs me about that? The famous people who mm-hmm. who want to write their picture book, right? They have more than enough funds. Yes. To go yep. out and, and independently publish their picture book and right. just sell it based on their name. Those of us who don't already have fame and fortune, right? Yes. This is a much harder lift for us. So famous people, if any of you are listening. <laughs> start just, a publishing just, house and let regular people. Uh, yeah. 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 Publish your own stuff and and leave the few slots in the traditional publishing world to those authors who need them because you guys don't need them. Yes. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Your books will sell regardless. I sort of resented that at first because there is definitely more of an outlay of money initially when you are self-publishing. Oh, yeah. Picture, the the illustrator alone is like between three and $4,000 for Mm -hmm. a good illustrator. So about the illustrator, when you present your book to publishers. Uh-huh. You don't already have illustrations on the book. You're just providing them the words to see if they want to then illustrate it or hire an illustrator, right? Yes. And that's actually something that I came to really love about self-publishing. Because once I found my illustrator that I liked, I was telling him everything. Uh, what color I wanted the nose of the dragon to be, how I, I wanted his eyes to be bloodshot. I wanted his nose to be pink from rubbing his nose, you know, all of these things, details about what everybody in the town is wearing, all of that. And he was, we, we went back and forth over email because he lives in India. We were able to, to work together that way. And I'm going to use him for my future stories as well. But if I were traditionally published, they would have found the illustrator and it might not have met my vision at all for the story. Right, right. I've definitely heard stories of people who have um, published children's books and then been I don't want to say unhappy necessarily but just it doesn't quite match what they had in their head and that can make a mm-hmm. huge difference in the story of if somebody has a different kind of tone or presentation when working with your illustrator though you know you're talking about oh I want things to be this color or whatever how are you communicating to them the the bigger picture like the the tone or the feel what, or do you just let them read it and see what they come up with? Or are you giving them more precise instruction? I'm giving very precise instruction. So, for example, there's one page where they're basically the dragon gets a cold and he accidentally sneezes and burns down a village. Aww. And the people are very mad at him and they want to attack him until a little girl decides to get his side of the story, finds out it was an accident and that he has a cold. And she gets the townspeople to help him heal, to help him get better. And in turn, he helps them rebuild. But some of the things they're doing are very funny. Like they're trying to make a gigantic pill for them for him because he's so big. He's like mm-hmm. the size of a two-story building or bigger. And so they have, you know, this giant pill on a wheelbarrow. So some of the images I wanted to be sort of silly. And I describe exactly what I wanted. And even the way I found the illustrator was really great. April Cox had like 12 illustrators that she works with that are great and responsive. I looked at all of their websites. I narrowed it down to my top four that I liked. Then she said, okay, have all four of these illustrators uh, offer to pay them each $50 to do a sketch Hmm. of one scene from your book, the same exact scene in black and white, just sketch it and then pick which one you like the best from that. 
Well, from that, I was able to narrow it down to two, my two favorites. And then I used my friends and family as a focus group. And I said, especially those who had kids, which dragon do you like better and why? And then I was able to to go from there. I want to break down what you just described, Cheryl, which is that you reached out to four people who you liked their style. Yes. And then you said, I will pay you. Notice, mm-hmm. notice the word pay. I will pay you <laughs> to do a little sample for me so I can see yes. if we're going to be working well together. Yes. I think that it's because so many indie authors are on a tight budget or don't have a lot of disposable income necessarily to spend on their work. They tend to sometimes be not great clients where maybe they're asking mm-hmm. for things for free or thinking, oh, it's just a quick sketch. So mm-hmm. I, I really, you know, I want to highlight that asking for samples is awesome. Asking for, a, you know, a custom sample is a really smart idea, but expect to pay for it because yes. their time is valuable too. Right. I mean, are you going to, what are you going to offer them a, a free novella? Right. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the same. You got to give work for work or pay. Right. So how long did this process take? I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of detailed, uh, you know, information being passed back and forth. From start to finish, how long did it take you to get your um, illustrated product? To to select the illustrator or to get the book entire book illustrated? The entire book illustrated. Probably about two months That's not of too back bad. and forth. But I was really, really obsessive compulsive about it. So I had people in my family, like, for example, some of the people, I had them in Viking garb. And so I would actually send images through the, from the internet of people in Viking garb. And then I, I said, and so they were wearing these um, leather things on their arms. Mm-hmm. And my nephew, who is really um, a very detail-oriented person, he's a teenager, but he's very detail-oriented. And he was looking at the people who were wearing the armband things. And there was a little design on one person's armband that was in the background of a scene. And he saw that the design on the armband looks, looked a little different in one scene than a different scene, or his pants were a different color, looked slightly different color in one page than another page. And so he saw all of those things, and I really made sure everything was was correct before it went to print. It sounds like a lot of detail work needed. Yes. But I enjoyed it. I mean, every time I would get something in the via email from the illustrator, it was like Christmas, you know, right. opening the attachment and seeing my dragon coming to life. It was really exciting. Now that would be great to like to open your mail and be like, okay, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I had this image when you started to tell us about your friends and family of you like coaxing them to stand in the poses and sending so photographs I. of like, <laughs> I want it to be like this. And I, I just, I really wanted that to be the rest of the story. But having a a really good editor, which is Uh kind of what your family member was doing there. A really good editor to look at images is important. Uh I think for some of us as authors, we may not always be image oriented people. I know I'm not like I can't envision a scene. I can describe it to you, but Mm -hmm. I could only tell you, well, that doesn't match my vision, but I couldn't tell you why. So it's really important to have somebody who has that eye who can make sure there's a consistency, but also just that it, you know, it's matching what you want. And it sounds like you put a lot of work into making sure those images came out exactly the way you wanted them to. Yes. Yes. And even though I am, I wasn't that detail oriented, I didn't notice that the armbands were looking different, but I had, 
you know, everybody, all my friends and family were looking at this again and again and again and offering me suggestions. So like, for example, in one of the scenes, the dragon looked a little smaller compared to the people than he did Mm -hmm. in another scene. Or in one, he had uh, more little humps on his back than in the other, on the other page, you know, things like that. How many toes he had, uh, making sure he has only four toes, because in one, it looked like he had five or three or something. All of those kinds of things, because I w- did, that wasn't my strength. I, I had other people in my life looking out for me and doing that with me as well. So I know when I've commissioned art, you're usually allowed, like, this is the amount you're paying. And with that amount, you're allowed two to three changes or revisions or something. Is that how this worked? Or was there a set fee for the finished product? Or how did you determine that? There were a certain number of edits that could be made. And I did go over that. I did exceed that. And then I paid extra because I really wanted to do that. I really want, I felt the changes were important enough. And, you know, I apologized profusely to the illustrator that I hadn't noticed it the first time or the second or the third time around and that I need this, this, and this changed. And then they invoiced me and I paid it and I was happy to do so. Okay. So that sounds totally fair. I I was just curious if it was the same thing or if there was a kind of set fee. When you were looking into other illustrators, was that how they all worked or were there different types of systems in place? They all had a different amount per page that they charged. So that was another thing that April was able to tell me in advance. If I were to choose any of those 12 illustrators, this one charges this much per page, this one charges this much per page, that sort of thing. So it's so it's really a per page fee. So if you're looking at a, a longer book, you're paying more. Right. Most children's books are about 32, 33 pages. Mm-hmm. And that those illustrations you now own. So if you want to throw that yes. dragon on a t-shirt, you're set. Yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm probably, and I'm, I'm working on a sequel now and there's definite merchandising opportunities. And I'm thinking of doing some things with some of the characters. Oh, cute. Stuffies. Everyone loves yep. a good character stuffy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So this seems like a good segue to talk about Be Kind Publishing. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Be Kind Publishing. Well, one thing I noticed, I've written some other stories that I haven't published uh, yet that I may in the future, and all of them seem to have common themes of pro-social values like kindness, empathy, sharing, teamwork, apologizing when you've done something wrong, accountability. And right now, that's a big trend in education. They call that social-emotional learning or SEL. And so since all of my stories had that in common, I wanted to create a publishing company for myself, just for my own books. I'm not accepting other people's work for this with this publishing company that I created. But I wanted to call it something that really spoke to that. And so I called it Be Kind Publishing, which is also sort of a riff on the expression, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Because I feel like in our society right now, there's a lot of focus on fame and fortune And I just really wanted to get back to the basics of civility and kindness and teach children that when they're, when their brains are more malleable. Nice. I was just thinking now about malleable children's brains and the little kid with like (laughs) their head pops open and they're silly putty and you're like, (laughs) anyway, yeah, this is the perils of being an author. You think about weird things Mm. like, you know, Mm. sneezing like a dragon. Um. Right. Right. (laughs) 
So if people want to stay informed about uh, Be Kind Publishing and any subsequent books and maybe merchandising options and stuffies, where can they find you on the internet? You can go to my website, which is www.be-kindpublishing.com. There's also, if a person uh, on that website, there's a place where you can give your name and your email address, and you can download five free coloring pages, um, uh, images from from the story, so the kids can see if they, how they color compared to Ramesh Ram, and see if they can do that, go toe-to-toe with him. So there's that. And then they also, if you give me your email address, you'd also be on my email list. And I, I don't bombard people. I only email like once a month. Um, with any important news, like if there are there's merchandise that becomes available or when when the sequel comes out, things like that, I would notify people about. I have an Instagram, which is be.kind.publishing. And then Facebook is be-kind-publishing. Fantastic. Punctuation is important. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I didn't. I, I did the hyphen thing on purpose because I didn't want to step on any toes if there was some other be kind publishing out there. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, thank you for giving us a little bit of an inside look at how the illustration process works. That's always really interesting to me as someone sure, who absolutely. doesn't write children's books, but maybe someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should totally do one together. We got this. Oh my <laughs> God, Shelly. That's a great idea. We're talking about that off air. Okay. Uh, no promises. No promises. Just saying she sh- just sh- said it out loud. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, Cheryl. Have a good day. Well, thank you very much for having me.